say the game is getting old. Monday morning and your coffee's cold. Life is not what you want it to be. Hello everyone and welcome to A New Direction. My name is Jay Izzo and ladies and gentlemen, I've got to tell you, we have an absolutely fantastic, amazing, outstanding, incredible, life-changing, absolutely gaining, self-managing, accountability craze and the book's called Own Your Job, written by Dr. Michael J. Colburn. The book, in blue, that some of you are seeing who are watching live on Facebook, is absolutely a, I say it a lot, it's a game changer. It is, it is a game. Folks, let me just say this to you about this book, all right? Listen to me, if you're in, you know, because I know some of you are going to be listening to podcasts, and by the way, thanks to everybody who's joining us on Castbox FM Live and and everybody who's joining us on Facebook Live and and by the way you people who are going to listen to us on podcast thanks for joining us by the way all over the world we, we appreciate you uh, so much for that and also the fine folks at ninety three point five the Oak FM we thank you for uh, you know having us on twice a week on uh, you catch us there on ninety three point five FM in Raleigh you can catch us there on Thursday afternoons at four p.m. Eastern and Sunday mornings at ten a.m. so we're really really grateful. Uh, for all of you listening, but listen, I'm going to tell you something. Are you in a job where you go, I don't like my job, right? God, you know what? My job, I can't, uh, just, oh, my job, oh, my boss, oh, my job, my boss, oh, oh, it's their fault, it's their fault, wrong, wrong, <laughs> Dr. Michael Colburn says, wrong, no, you know why you don't, you know why you don't like your job? You're not taking control of your job. You don't own your job. And you know what? He's going to tell us today how to own your job and make your job. Take responsibility for your job. You've heard of, you've heard of Jocko Willink talk about extreme ownership. He's talking about taking extreme ownership of your job. And it is awesome. And I'm going to tell you what, you're going to have to have some courage because if you don't have, and he says in the book, it's going to take courage to do this but when you do it it will change you it is absolutely awesome and you're going to love dr michael colburn but let's do what we do every week we get started for the show and you know what that is right i invite you to check in with yourself in the four areas of your life right because i believe that we are four part people we are physical people mental people emotional people and spiritual people Mm -hmm. and so on a scale of one to 10, we're going to do these one at a time, a scale of one to 10, everybody out there who's watching, and by the way, hello, Joelle and Amanda and everybody else that's out there. On a scale of one to 10, one being miserable, 10 being outstand, phys- outstanding, physically, what would you rate yourself today, everybody out there? Would you, would you, would you say I'm average? And, and you say, well, what do you mean physically? Well, I mean, yeah, I'm feeling okay. I'm feeling good, but let's, let's get a little more specific, you know, like. Are you eating right? Are you taking care of your body? Are you putting the right foods into your body? Are you drinking enough water? Are you getting enough sleep? Are you doing those things that you need to do to really take care of your body? How would you rate yourself out there, right? Scale of one to 10, one's miserable, 10's outstanding, all right? And then, you know, with all these questions, the same two questions apply, and that is this, and and here's the questions. One is, why are you the number that you are, all right? And then the second thing is, uh, what can you do right now to change it? Those are the two questions in all these areas. So you got your first number. There's your physical number, right? All right, good for you. Now let's move on to the mental side. And what do I mean by the mental number? Well, what are you consuming knowledge-wise, right? What are you, how are you growing in wisdom and knowledge and understanding? How are you growing in, 
maybe your the knowledge of the skills that you do professionally or or maybe even growing in the knowledge of just around mm-hmm. about the world right i mean what are you doing to make yourself better you know we have two halves of the brain a right brain and a left brain the right side's a little more creative and the left side is a lot more logical how are you feeding both halves of that right what are you doing what are you doing to satisfy both the the creative and the logical side and are, and are you doing it well right what score would you give yourself for that? Scale of 1 to 10, 1 miserable, 10 outstanding. All right? So you got two numbers. You've got a physical and a mental. Now let's talk about emotionally. You know, so frequently you'll hear a number of the authors that we've had on the show will talk about emotional intelligence or emotional quotients. And the question that, you know, really comes down to it, I'm going to make it simple. I'm just going to oversimplify it. Here it is. When under stress, how well are you able to control your own emotions? And then secondly... How well, under stress, are you able to tap in and truly understand the emotions of others? Mm-hmm. We call that empathy, right? I mean, and, and I mean, I mean, really tap into the emotions. I don't mean just go and labeling them and say, oh, they're sad. No, no, no. How well, when your life is under stress, are you able to actually sit there in front of somebody and actually really relate to the emotions that they're giving you? How well are you able to do that on a scale of 1 to 10? How well are you able when somebody cuts you off in traffic to maintain your emotional status? We got a lot of things going on in this world right now. How well are you able to keep your emotions in check? Right? So it's a, what's, what's the number you're going to give yourself? One's miserable, ten's outstanding. Right? All right. Fourth area, spiritually. And I have a lot of people question me on the spiritual side. And they go, well, what is the spiritual side? Jay, I'm not a spiritual person. I go, well, we're all spiritual. <laughs> Truth is, we are. You, and you go, no, I'm not. Jay, I, I'm not. No, trust me. Listen, if you remove the physical, the mental, and the emotional, you know what you have left? You have the spiritual. That's really the truth. It's stuff that we can't explain in science. It's stuff that, you know, us psychological professionals, we can't explain. But there's something inside you that, uh, that, that you know that touches you and moves you in a way that's beyond emotion, a way that's beyond physical, a way that's beyond mental. <clears throat> and, you know, some people carry that, on, carry that out in a variety of different ways. Sometimes they believe in God. Sometimes it's meditation. Sometimes it's nature. Sometimes it's a variety of things. But the point is, how is that area working for you? That's the point. So on a scale of 1 to 10, what would you give you? 1 miserable, 10 outstanding. What, what would you give yourself in terms of your spiritual area? All right. So you got four numbers, right? The physical, the mental, the emotional, and spiritual. You got to think of those four numbers as the legs of a chair. If you sat, if those were are uneven and you sat in an uneven chair, what would that do to your posture? Wouldn't do very good, would it? But what if the chair was too low and all those areas were too low? What would that do? It would make things very difficult, wouldn't it? So the whole idea here is to bring up all four areas of your life. And to bring up the physical, the mental, and the emotional in equal ways, but also to get them to the right height. And by the way, speaking of somebody who does an amazing job of doing that, his name is Dr. Michael J. Colburn. And Dr. Colburn is absolutely one of the most outstanding authors that I've been able to interview. He spent 30 years working with organizational leaders and implementing learning and sustainable change to improve performance at, at the organizational team and individual levels. Uh, you're going to listen to his unique um, view of performance improvement. And he also develops leaders. He develops teams, workforces. He does things in strategic planning to help improve systems and processes. He's been, he has taught as a lecturer for a variety of places all over. He retired finally as an associate professor 
professor from Ashland University in Ohio. He taught courses on organizational development, operations management, strategic management, self-management, accountability. list goes on and on. Uh, he's got his PhD in adult education from the Ohio State University. You know you have to say the whenever you say <laughs> Ohio State. Uh, his doctoral dissertation was on education, um, on the education of engineer challenging the traditional view of reaching and grading to a more self-directed and accountable role of the student collaboration with the professors. He has uh, been awarded the Meritorious Service Award by the College of Engineering at, at The Ohio State University. He was inducted to the Globus Hall of Fame as a master professor uh, of his undergraduate student team's performance in a worldwide business simulation competition. Uh, he is married to his lovely wife, Connie, and they live in Columbus, Ohio. And what he does on his spare time is he, whenever he can, he spends time with his seven children and 11 grandchildren. And... Uh, He's he's just absolutely an avid tennis tennis fan, but he's also now a friend of the show. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show and welcome to a new direction, Dr. Michael J. Colburn. Well, thank you, Jay. Well, listen, I love this book. the The book uh, I, I I think I I think I feel like I was spamming you because I kept writing you about. I really love your book, Doc. I love love your love the book. It's so awesome. Uh, the book uh, Own Your Job is absolutely an outstanding read. I really, really recommend uh, folks that you pick this up. By the way, I would even recommend, there is a leadership uh, chapter in the book uh, at the end, if you're a leader, how to change and adopt your organization. And by the way, this book also comes with forms and everything that you can do to act, that he will take you through, because this is a very practical uh, guide. Also, you can go to uh, Michael's website, which is Michael Colburn. PhD, that's M-I-C-H-A-E-L-C-O-L-B-U-R-N, PhD.com, and uh, you can you can actually uh, he's got he's got a lot of these resources right there for free, uh, right there on his website. So I highly recommend that you check him out. So so Michael, let's let's just talk about this this book, and I'm gonna just start right in the introduction. Uh, in the introduction, living a proactive lifestyle, you say the concepts, methods, and tools in this book are based on the belief that people have the ability to serve a higher purpose in all aspects of their life. What do you say to people that, that say, I don't know that I have a purpose or I don't know what my purpose is? Well, there's a number of things. Um, one thing I, uh, I, I think that has a lot to do with how we use our time because, I find people do kind of trivial things when they don't have a sense of purpose. So um, there are first thing is to read some good books, you know, uh, and, and talk to people, become aware of it. Uh, one thing I learned working with one of my clients that there is uh, stages of changes that people go through, uh, and and very often in our desire to help people change, we jump too too far too many steps. Mm-hmm. You know, the first stage of ch- change is pre-contemplation, like I have no idea, you know, uh, uh, about anything, about the need to change. And then very often you have to take them one step at a time because very often it's like someone wants to quit smoking, you know, Right. and right. someone says, well, just stop quit, just stop smoking. Well, <laughs> yeah, I had a great opportunity to work at a startup out of a health center for a, for a major hospital here in, in Ohio. And, and one of the great things as a consultant, I got working with them before it ever started. 
you know, and 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 they, they had this model they use and they were very successful in getting people to make fundamental changes in their life. And, and let me kind of go through these stages. It's not in the book, but I'll tell you that when a person's in pre-contemplation, instead of telling them to act on it, it says, well, why don't you we well, need to get to the next step, which is contemplation. So why don't you read this book or listen to this person talk or watch this podcast just to see what you think about it? So it is not to get them to change, but just get them to to come up to the idea that they need to change, you know. Right. And then once they get there, most people hang in contemplation for a long time. So a contemplation, the person who is smoking would say something like this. You know, I know I should stop smoking, but this is a kind of a tough time. I've, you know, I'm in school and I'm doing all that stuff. It's not quite ready for it, you know. Right. And so the next step is not to get them to change, is to get them to uh, start planning, you know. Mm-hmm. So so what would it take for you to get to that step? So I asked my students who went to graduate school when they come back several years after they had undergraduate schools, I said, how long did you think about going to graduate school? And what do you think they they said? What type of numbers do you think they would tell me? How long? Yeah. How long do you think about it? Because you're a little different. You yeah, might well, I did it right away. I mean, it, I mean, I literally, I thought about it. I, I was, I was still in school and I was like, I'm going. Right. Okay. I mean, I, I literally was, I was going, but I, I remember I'm thinking back on it now. I think, you know, I remember people going, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to go to grad school or not. And then they say, you know, I think I'm going to take a year off or they think I was going to take two years off or something like that. And then I found out they never went is what right. I typically find. So I, I don't know if that answers your question, but it, it, I don't know how many, I don't know most, how people did. Most people are in contemplation for a fairly long period of time. Really? And. Uh, yeah. And and even for the things that they change, you know, um, and maybe there's some good reasons. Maybe there are some not so good reasons. But the, the, the issue is in helping people change is to help them go from contemplation to saying, well, let's dig into this deeper. So, you know, what's the cost of going to be? You know, what are the pros and cons? Mm. Wh- what type of support can I get? All that sort of thing. And so once they they start looking at that, then they go into a preparation t- a period where they've really committed. And so the goal in the next stage is to help them make decisions, you know, right. and and that typically is a fairly short period of time. Once they made a, a really are serious about making a change, then they have to go into active preparation, which is typically a fairly short period of time. And then they start acting, Got you know, it. then they start doing it. And one of the things about doing things is uh, any new change is pretty frail. And so it's also how to deal with setbacks. I mean, one of the things I've learned in my life is uh, uh, failure is not a bad thing. Failure is the only way sometimes I need, I have to have to learn and move forward. And it's how I deal with a failure. It's not so much a failure that is a problem. You show me people who don't fail. I show you people who are not trying. (laughs) That's so true. Yeah, and I told you before when we were talking on the uh, on the phone earlier, talking earlier on, is that I, I feel I'm best when I'm at the edge of my competence. You know, uh, where I'm at that edge where I have some things there, but there's a lot of uncertainty, and that can be scary and exciting at the same time. Right. So, what when you asked me the original question, what I learned from this working with this uh, health center is they just help people work through that. You know, so when I'm working with someone individually, I just help them try to take one step at a time, you know, and and the success uh, percentage is much higher if you help them take that next step, not jumping to here's what you ought to do because they may not have a belief in themselves to do that so much. 
His name is uh, Michael J. Colburn, uh, PhD, Dr. Mike. Uh, and the book is called Own Your Job, uh, Five Tools for Self-Management and Accountability in the Workplace, and uh, available on Amazon uh, and other bookstores, certainly anywhere. So let's talk about what does own your job mean? Because your original title, you were, the working title of this book was entitled Self-Management and Accountability, and it just didn't have a ring to it. Right, and right. so... Uh, and you, you know, you say you say early on, you say you know, leadership is not conferred by a title; it is demonstrated by a willingness to serve and create value. Individuals within the organization have a responsibility to exercise leadership. So let's talk about what 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 do you mean when you say own your own job? Well, what I mean by that, and uh, I'll give you one other title that I was playing with, which is really I'm I'm helping people claim the power that they have mm. and, and and i was thinking about using that as my title claim your power five mm. tools for self-management workplace i love that and and i i was back and forth on that and but i'm saying as well since it's in the workplace i want to make sure we understand that we're workplace oriented so it's really helping people claim the power they have you know, and that they have the resources to, to do that. And that's really what own your job means. Claim the power, cl- claim your own job, claim that you have a responsibility. I had a, a person who uh, I had had a part-time job between my senior year in high school and my freshman year in college. And and I worked for this bakery and, and the, the head of it would leave the bakery. And he said, and he would give me one piece of advice that, that was great. Because I'd have to sell donuts and I'd have to set the prices and stuff like that if we were going to sell out. And he said, Michael, uh, just uh, run it like you own it, you know, and that would be fine with me, you know. Mm -hmm. And so I think each person has to take their job as if they own the company, you know, and because you do own your own contribution to the company. And that's kind of what I really mean by owning your job, because the last thing I want to do have people do is to embrace any victimhood. Just because you have a bad boss or you have a bad situation or bad policies, you know, uh, that is I'm not going to let the quality of my boss affect the performance that I do. No more than I would accept the quality of the professor teaches me by the learning I'm going to do. So that's really what take responsibility for yourself. That's basically what I mean. Yeah, you know, this this is interesting because I think we get so caught up into I, I have to feel good about the person who is leading me and it's their responsibility to make me like my right. job. And, and I think, I think we got it wrong. And, and you, you, I mean, you, you say this, right. And by the way, we make a huge mistake and you point this out early on in the book too. We make a huge mistake is we sometimes as leaders, we will say things like, well, I'm going to empower my people. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Like, like I am, by the way, I am omnipotent and I'm about to empower you. So I want to empower. But the truth of the matter is, even, even if I'm the leader or the boss or the owner of the company, the fact of the matter is you already have the power. I mean, based on what you say, isn't that true? Exactly. And, and I think that, and that's, I have a little problem with the word empower, not that it's not good to do, but empower kind of presumes or it sounds like someone outside of you is going to give you the power. Well, I think it comes from the inside. I agree. You know, I agree. and, and, it, and so I, I've had some great bosses and I've had one real bad one. 
<laughs> and I've had a few mediocre ones. They were they were they were good people, you know. Right. And so uh, sometimes you have to manage up and manage out, you know. Right. And and so uh, uh, I'm going to do that when I do that. What I found is, although is that when you take charge of yourself and self-manage yourself in your job, it does impact the, the behavior of the boss. Sure. Sure. You know, so if I come into you and, and I have a performance breakdown and, and I don't own up to it, then I put the onus on the Bob to uh, the boss to tell me, Michael, you did this wrong. You should make some changes, you know, or they might. But if I go into this, you know, I've, I worked on this project. I had a problem here. I, I, I want to make some improvements that changes to a large degree, the relationship between the person and their boss. And what I found is working with organizational leaders and I've worked with a lot of them. I, I say, I find it much easier to teach people to manage the, the relationship with the boss and the other way around, you know? Mm-hmm. So just, just manage it, you know? And what I found is, is especially the tools I teach, Unless the, the boss is is a, a really a, a problem area, the boss typically likes it. You know, unless you're a sociopath, they typically like it. <laughs> oh, let's not go there, Doc. Let's yeah. not do that. Oh, yeah. His name is Dr. Michael J. Colburn. The book is called Own Your Own Job. We're just getting kind of started and warmed up here. Hey, listen, uh, and he's joining us here on A New Direction. Hey, New Direction has a sponsor. Their name is Epic Physical Therapy. And whether you're recovering from an injury or a surgery or suffering everyday aches and pains, having difficulty performing activities of daily living, or, or maybe you're, uh, you're unable to perform the athletic activity because you're a professional athlete or elite athlete. Maybe you're just looking to improve uh, how you feel move. Look, the elite team at Epic Physical Therapy will provide you with a customized treatment plan tailored to your individual needs. With their experience in rehabbing young athletes to elite professional athletes, they understand the need to treat the entire body as a functional whole, not just your symptoms or injury. Look, when you're ready for epic relief, epic recovery, and epic results, you know what you're ready for? You're ready for epic physical therapy, and you can learn more by going to epicpt.com. That's E-P-I-C-P-T.com. And thank you to Linda Craft and Team Realtors. No matter where you're at in the world, Linda Craft and her team can help you find the right professional to either sell your home or buy your home. Buy your next home. Look, they have been doing this for 35 years. They, the, the customers come back, and, and for 35 years, you know what they say? They say they've got legendary customer service. That's what their customers say. And when their customers are saying that, well, what else can you what else can you do but say, wow, they're legendary. And the reason why they are is because they built their relationships with their customers just one person at a time because they treat each indiv- person as an individual. You're not a lead. You're, you are a person with a name and a dream and a desire. And that's the way they treat people at Linda Craft and Team Realtors. And they would love to talk to you. So when you're ready to sell or buy your home, why don't start with the folks at Linda Craft and Team Realtors. And you can learn more by going to lindacraft.com. That's L-I-N-D-A-C-R-A-F-T dot com. And we're back here on A New Direction, and we're with Dr. Uh, Michael J. Colburn and his outstanding book, Own Your Job. It's absolutely fabulous. And we, we Michael has been uh, taking us through uh, some of the some of the early parts of owning your own job and getting us to understand that and owning you know purpose you know as well. I want to talk about three essentials for owning your job, if we can. 
you, you, you talk about uh, proactivity and time quality, and you talk also about healthy relationships. So let's talk about all those three things and why they're essential and how do they fit into owning your own job, starting with proactivity. Right. Well, good. Well, proactivity to me simply is uh, accepting the fact that we can make choices. Proactivity is the ability and the will to make choices. And so if we don't feel that we have the ability or will to make choices, then it's pretty hard to self-manage. And so so there, there, that's a basic a belief system that we really have to have or experience we have to have to be to, to, to self-manage. So that's, that's the first one. And then in the book, I, I quote uh, the late Dr. Covey, where he talked about, you know, people have a circle of concern mm-hmm. and then a smaller circle of influence, you know, and we get real frustrated at times when we are, we're in a situation which we care about, but we have no apparent way to do anything about it. Mm-hmm. And so uh, what I've learned, uh, from my experience and from some wonderful people that I've known is that you can turn almost any situation into something that you can take some control over, you know, and that has a tremendous impact, not only of your performance, but also the impact about your attitude, you know, that I'm not a victim, you know, that I can actually, uh, you know, control my own destiny to a large degree. And so to me, that is a fundamental belief. So I, I spend some time in the book telling people how to move from the frustration into performance. Uh, and, and basically with, with three fundamental questions, you know, first question is if something bad happens or something I don't, I can't control apparently, what do I really care about to get it? That's getting me upset. Mm. And when people see or can just, describe what that is, that is transformative because now they're thinking about what they care about as opposed to what they can't do. Mm. And then the next question is, well, what can I do? You know, not what I, what would I like to do or what I'd like to have somebody else do, but what can I do? Mm. And there's always answers to that. And then, then the next question, which is a strong question is of all the things you can do, what will you do? What will I do? And you just pick one item and you do it. And and when you live your life like that, you find yourself moving from frustration into control, a legitimate control. So to me, that's just a it's a mindset and a pretty simple way of doing that. One. And and I, I always encourage people to read Dr. Covey's books because they're they're great. Yeah, and, and you're talking and you're talking about the, the seven habits of effective people. Yeah, seven habits and principles of leadership, and then yeah. uh, first things first. I think was one of his greatest books. Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, and but uh, that's exactly right. The three questions kind of came out of my experience with a friend I knew, Annie, I mentioned in the book, who taught me that without ever telling using the questions. You know, she just did it. <laughs> you know, and 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 it uh, it took me a while to figure that one out. Um, so that's, that's proactivity. And it's a very simple definition, the ability to make choices. And then let's talk about the second essential time quality, because you talk about two types of time. We talk about Kronos time and Kairos time. Right. So let's, let's talk about those two and, uh, time quality and true North and all those things that you have yeah. talked about. And here again, this is influenced a lot by Dr. Covey, uh, with a few other things to it. But, uh, Kronos time is the time when I ask people, what do you think about time? They typically talk about chronos time. In other words, the limited time we have. We have 24 hours a day. I don't have enough time to do what I want. 
you know, I, you know, deadlines, time, things like that. So that's the time that is limited and, and that, uh, people feel the, the frustration about not having enough mm. and that's chronos time. But there's a second type of time, which this is from Dr. Covey. And he said, there is Kairos time and Kairos time is, so let's say uh, you and I were talking earlier on, let's say we were having a little glass of wine and talking and having a good time. Right. That's a different type. I'm having a good time. Right. You know, tomorrow I'm, I'm meeting on a, a Zoom with a good friend of mine. We just like to get together on a regular basis, but we can't do that one. So we're going to get together and we have no agenda. We just want to chat with each other. Right. Uh, time with your friends, time with your family, uh, when I uh, playing tennis, anything that that brings value to your life, quality to your life, you know, and those four areas you mentioned before, you know, the physical, the mental, the emotional and the spiritual, those things that help that score moves up is quality time. Right. Right. And, yeah. and that's Kairos time. And so what I say is you have to be respectful of the Kronos time, you know, right. but you also have to put more t more effort into the Kairos time. Do the things that are most important. You know, the things that are creating value for you in your work and in your personal life. And so uh, we, and in my book, I, I talk about a number of strategies that you could do to, and I talk about three types of uh, time use. One is significant few. Right. A significant few activity is anything that we do to bring us closer to a valued goal or role in our life. Those four areas that you mentioned before. Yeah. Um, main sector time are the time, those are the things that we, stuff that we gotta do. We gotta fix that car. You know, we got to take care of the customer complaint. You know, we have to look at the breakdowns we had. So those are the things that are expected to do. And they tend to be, we get punished for not doing them more than rewarded for doing them. And the third type of time is the trivial many. That, that's the time that we waste, where we're not doing anything of any value. And quite frankly, there's no negative consequences for not doing it. Mm -hmm. And very often that uh, is a sign of a lack of purpose in our life. And so it's really how we we uh, uh, move our our time use into that. One thing I said is that if you could spend 10 more minutes a day in your work life transferring trivial many or maintenance items into a significant few, that's equivalent to one work week per year. Wow. You know, wow. and so you don't have to make major changes. Matter of fact, it's better to make changes five and 10 minutes at a time yeah. uh, where you can get control over that sort of thing. And so I think that attitude towards your time use is, is so critical. And that, uh, and so I always teach that in, in courses that I've taught in, in working with companies. Well, I think you yeah. said, I think you, you said something that, you know, that I, I really caught my attention and made me think, you know, because you do talk about journaling in the book and the importance of journaling and, and how powerful that can be. But I think part of that is also journaling. What percentage of time are you giving to these activities and writing that down day after day so that you can kind of get a hold of it? Because I don't think we have a – you also talk about making sure that we really have a true reality of what where we're at. you know. Yeah. Right. And I don't think we can get a true reality if we don't really understand. I mean, and, and we're talking about three different types of activities. We're not talking about 3,000, but just taking the simple – Right, the sim just the simple process. Okay, let's divide this up between the significant few, the maintenance, and the trivial, and then what percentage am I every day giving to these things? Just so you get a kind of a reality check of what you're really doing and where your time is at. Absolutely. And Jay, what I 
I've taught this for many, many years, even before I wrote the book, is that people, when I give them the definition of the three types of time uses, people understand them exactly. You know, they understand what a significant few is because it's how you feel about yourself and your situation when you get it done. So that keeping track of those three types of times is not a complicated type of thing. And making a small change on a regular basis can have a dramatic impact on a person's life, business-wise, personal-wise, anything like that. Well, I mean, if, I think of it this way. Let's say, let's say, I, let's say I find that my percentage is high in trivial time, right? right. The, the trivial many activity, right? Well, based on what you just told me, if I cut that by 10 minutes, mm -hmm. I've just added a week either to maintenance or significant few. Right. I've added a week. Right. <laughs> by cutting by cutting down my trivial time by 10 minutes, I've added a week. Yeah. And, and, but I don't think I don't think we re, I think we go, oh, I'm so busy, I'm so busy. But then I start looking at about it, go, uh, listen. There's probably been there's you know there's a reason why I'm at master level on spider solitaire okay you know what I mean on <laughs> right. <laughs> Right? I mean, uh, there, there, was, there was more than 10 minutes. And, uh, you know, and you know that series that uh, that, that series I've been watching that uh, for six years that I binged watched, you know, <laughs> right, for how many hours until 4 o'clock in the morning? You know, maybe that time could have been better served. But I, I'm just saying that we probably, I mean, we got to get a better reality check. I think that was the thing that just struck me in doing that. And the other thing, Jay, what I found, it's helpful for me, is I've always had my list of things. I have a weekly plan and a daily plan. But I always tell people, says, when you have that list of things to do, always put the significant few on top. You know, because very often the significant few activities, if you don't do them today, you may not have a negative consequence. So if I don't if I don't call my friend today or if I don't spend time with my children today, they still love me and everything's okay. But if it continues on, then we know what's going to happen, right? Mm -hmm. And so it, when we start the day, start with a significant few just to make sure a successful day is not how many things I did, but how much time I was able to spend on those things that really count, mm -hmm. significant few. And and uh, when we can do that sort of thing, then we we feel much more successful as we should be. And and so don't start with the, the, the crappy stuff. Start with the good stuff. I love that. Uh, by the way, his name is uh, Dr. Michael J. Colburn. The book is called Own Your Job. Uh, five tools for self-management and accountability in the workplace. Uh, folks, I'm just telling you, if uh, you're in a job that you don't like, guess whose fault it is? <laughs> Yours. So why not Why not take control of your life, take control of your job, stop worrying about your boss, stop worrying about, stop worrying about the people around you, take control. This book will show you how it's got the tools right in it. I'm just telling you, it's got the tools right in it for you to do. And, uh, and he's giving you some real practical tips as we go into the third essential here uh, on a new direction called healthy relationships. So let's talk about this third essential, health, healthy relationships. Why is it an essential? And uh, let's, let's talk about what that looks like. Well, healthy relationships are really relationships that build on, on uh, empathy, care for the person, looking for common ground. Um, and, and I find that uh, when I've developed the tools over the years, I found that uh, one thing is self-management is not a solitary activity. Mm. Self-management is always involved with with uh, people. Um, and so one of the ways that I and I'm just I'm going to jump a little bit to one of the tools sure, to sure, share sure. how the, the, 
the healthy relationships come out. One of the tools that I teach is one of a performance agreement. <clears throat> and it's based on the fact that we don't work for our boss. We may be accountable to the boss, but we don't really work for the boss unless you're maybe an, an admin aide. Yeah. Uh, and so what, what I have people do is to identify who are all your internal customers, who are your key relationships that is important in your job. And, and people can list those pretty easy. <clears throat> and then what I do is then I have them go out and interview uh, uh, their key relationships. And they're going to ask them four fundamental questions. And it's amazing. Sometimes they don't realize what the impact's going to be. And, if, and the first question is, so, so Jay, what am I doing well? What am I doing that creates value for you? <laughs> you know? And when you tell me that, you're telling me two things. One thing, you're giving me some feedback on the strength I have. Right. But also you're telling me what's important to you. Right. right? right. You know? and, and so when, when I listen openly to you and I take notes and I'm really listening, even if, even if you, you give me an answer that I didn't think was correct, we always say thank you. Right. The second question is, so what are your needs and expectations for me as a professor in this class? So I took over this one class at Ashland University, undergraduate, which was a, the, the, um, uh, the, the, the capstone course. And it turned out, I didn't realize this when I took over the class, that the student newspaper had called it the crapstone course. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I was put in this thing. I was giving this I was doing a turnaround apparently for this course. So I went in and I, and I, uh, and I asked my students the same questions, you know, uh, instead of, they didn't know me. So I said, so tell me about your best professors. What are the qualities that you see in your best professors? You know, right. then I'll say, so what are your needs and expectations for me as your professor? You know, right. and they tell you a lot of stuff, you know, they, they want a good feedback, information, treating them how I treat them, um, be understanding, uh, answering questions, etc. Then I ask them, so what are the measures of performance that tell me that I'm doing a good job for you? Mm. And now we get down to more specifics, right? Mm. Well, I, I, I'm not going to wait five days to get an answer to a question. I'd like to get it in 24 hours. Mm. Um then the last question is, so what can I do more of, better or differently to, to do my job? And so when people go to each of their key relationships and doing that, one thing they get is information, but also they're developing a relationship. You know, right. when people are listened to in, in a, uh, honestly and openly, it's, it's hard not to build good relationships. So, uh, so one of the things there to do that is if you're going to be a servant and you're going to support people and be a member of a team, you ask them this question. So if I have a team that's put together, I have them answer these questions among themselves. What are your expectations for me as a member of this team? And then they develop a bunch of protocols, you know, and then they, they kind of have a little measurement system to make sure they're, they're following through on that. I find that is really helpful in building solid business relationships and personal relationships. So each one of the tools I teach always has somebody else involved in it in some way, but you just take the lead. So I find when we do that, when we listen uh, openly and attentively and, and uh, make sure that we're accountable to our commitments to people, uh, those things are build high, healthy relationships. And it tends to be returned in kind. I love it. His name is Dr. Uh, Michael J. Colburn. Books called "Own Your Job," and you're just you're hearing some of his stuff, right? I mean, hearing some of the tools 
uh, that uh, you know, he's got five tools out there. I don't know that we'll get to all of them. But we're, we're, we haven't even got to chapter one uh, <laughs> uh, in reality. But uh, the the but I wrote the book faster than that, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tell you how I wrote the book the first time. Yeah, okay. Well, I, you know what, you know what's so, but you know what the thing is that your introduction was so doggone powerful, and and it really was because I was like, I can't get past, I can't get past, you know, these essentials. I couldn't do that because it was too yeah. important. And then you know, before we even get to a tool, you know, um, you know, there's. Chapter one, which is finding your the part one of these this book, chapter one, which is discovering your talent, strengths, and passions. And you know, I think sometimes what happens here is that we don't really fully understand what a talent is versus right. a strength, versus a passion, versus a right. skill, right. or versus some knowledge. I don't think we fully understand that. So maybe let's help let's just start with the talent what, sure. what is what is a talent and i know it's kind of tough to define but what is a talent based on your research and what you know well a talent is something that basically that you naturally do well and and uh so so for you if you ask what um tiger woods talent is the answer is not golf the go- it may be eye- hand coordination. It might be lots of different things, right. and they all kind of come up to the skill. So a talent is very often is some natural skill that you have or natural ability that you have, not skill, right. ability you have, that when you do that, you tend to perform well and you tend to enjoy what you're doing, mm. you know. And and so 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 that's a talent. And sometimes the talents are latent. It's might be something you did as a child or something you did in areas and I find when people have a job that plays to their talents, it's much easier to get really good at it. Mm. Now, a strength is a talent that is developed. Mm. You know, so you have a talent. So, so some people like may, might be natural tennis players, but they don't have all the skills. So they get a pro, and they can give them kind of the techniques to work there. But if they have some natural talents, then that person is going to progress a little bit uh, faster than somebody else, and maybe to a higher level. So it's a strength is a talent plus a a uh, a skill development. I love that. Then, yeah. So, yeah, so, so, yeah. um, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to stop you here and we're going to go on. Cause what we're going to do, I'm going to have to take a quick break here. Uh, mm-hmm. by the way, you're listening to, uh, Dr. Michael J. Colburn, uh, book is called own your job here on a new direction. Hey folks, Epic physical therapy, uh, facility. It's my facility. It's the one I go to. I have been, uh, seeing the people at Epic for as long as I can remember. They're absolutely fantastic. And I love them. Uh, they they really are just some of the best out there when it comes to physical therapy. And whether you're injured on a job or maybe you just want to feel better or maybe you're an athlete, they, they're fantastic. But, you know, one of the things I love about them is that they're constantly offering some of the most advanced top-of-the-line equipment uh, to help you do what you do better. Uh, one of the things that uh, I'm not a runner, <laughs> never have been. I mean, if you've ever seen me, uh, th- there's no way I should be running. Um, but you know what? They have this thing called the Alter G Anti Gravity Treadmill, which takes the pressure off your joints. It's absolutely fabulous and fantastic. And then they have the Normatec compression sleeves, which is really cool. And then the Game Ready, which I love to take the swelling out of my body, especially my knees, uh, because I push those pretty hard. But you know what? Here's the other thing they're all certified and trained 
in the most comprehensive cutting-edge treatments available. And those are blood flow restriction therapy, dry needling, cupping. That's just to name a few of them, right? But I'm going to tell you something. What they really are is they just know how to treat you as a customer. I really want to tell you, if you want epic relief, epic recovery, and epic results, you really need to go to Epic Physical Therapy. That's epicpt.com, E-P-I-C-P-T.com. And, of course, Linda Craft, the Team Realtor, since the very beginning, they have been part of the show. And you know what? We thank them so much because, you know what? They help people all over the world. They literally do. They're independently owned and operated. They do not belong to a national chain, so they've developed relationships with realtors all over the world. And they can find the best available realtor, regardless of company, to help you sell your home or buy your home. That's what they do. And if you happen to live in the Research Triangle Park of North Carolina, that's the Raleigh-Durham-Chapel Hill area made up of Duke, NC State, and uh, University of North Carolina, you know what? She'll help you directly. You can just stop off at their office at 7300 Six Forks Road and be able to say, hello, hi, Linda. They'll hand you a bottle of water and you will enjoy it, I promise, Uh, because they want to get to know you because they understand that your home is the most important purchase that you will ever make personally and they want to be part of you because they know how important it is to you. So why not talk to the personal realtors, the legends of customer service? Why not talk to... Uh, Linda Craft and her team. Just go to lindacraft.com, L-I-N-D-A-C-R-A-F-T.com. And we're back here with Dr. Michael J. Colburn and his book, Own Your Job. And we're talking about talent, strengths, and passions. So let's 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 dig in a little bit about how do we get at, I'm going to let you kind of pontificate here a little bit. How do we get at the strengths and the talents and 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 uh, how do we get at that? What what are some things that we can do? One of the things I will hope that you will give some time is talking about the your self assessment and how that works. Right. Uh, there's a lot of good tools out, and you and I talked about earlier on about the Strength Finder, you know, and there's Myers Briggs and places, things like that. And I think they're good, but also I think that people carry a lot of information inside of them that they can find, you know. And so one thing I have them. Uh, people do uh, two things. Um, this is particularly how to discover a talent, because very often people who are really good at something can't even describe it. And so I have people write success stories. You know, so I said, so write a story about something you were successful about, but write me a specific incident. No, give me a generalized thing. And I have them write those on a regular basis. You know, and it might be something that happened in school and work or community when you were young or yesterday. And I find then I teach people to go back and then read through those. And what are the common themes that you you find coming out? So, so it might be that everything I'm successful at, I, I always had to deal with my ability to relate with people uh, interpersonally. Or maybe I had a good diagnostic skills and things like that. And so help people discover it through their own stories about what they what they do very well and what they're interested in. And so uh, I think that helps give you, I think people are capable of self-awareness. The second thing is I have some questions and I got these questions, modified them from a book called Enlightened Leadership. And there are are questions uh, that you ask yourself. And and the first question is, so what's working in my life? What am I doing well? No. Uh, Then the second question is, and people think they know what the second question is and it's never the one they think, you know, because I never ask what's not working. You know? <laughs> right. right. <clears throat> yeah. So the second question is, look at all the things you wrote on what's working. 
why did it work? What did you do to make it happen? Mm. You know? Right. And, and then they write those down. Then the third question is, so what's your purpose? What are you really trying to achieve in life? Mm. What's important to you? You know? And, you know, very often questions are extremely important because the question sometimes creates the awareness of the answer, you know? And so people start thinking about that. It's a pretty heavy question, right? Right. And so they write those things down. And I said, so what would be the, what's going to be the benefit for you, for your family, for your work to achieving these things? When you get closer to achieving your purpose, what's, what's the value that you're creating for various people? Um, then the last question is, so what do you have to do more of better or differently to get closer to that? So that's the not working question, but in a, in a positive and forward focus mode. When I'm working with a team of people, I ask the same questions, you know, what's working with your team? Why is it working? What's your purpose? You know, what's the benefits and what do you have to do better? And I find that it creates an awareness of self-awareness. And that's why I like those types of questions uh, to help people really become aware of things. And then at that point there, kind of go back to one of your original questions, Jay, is, you know, how do you help people find their own purpose? And I think one of the best ways to do it is ask good questions as well as journaling, you know, and doing other things. I, I, I by the way, we're talking with Dr. Michael J. Colburn, uh, book, uh, own your job. Uh, I got to tell you, uh, I, I think, so often, and I agree with you because I think you even say this in the book, you know, so often we don't really even know what our talents are. And we really need, I think this is just a healthy self, self check for us to just do, don't you, don't you think just even, even, even if you think you're in pretty good shape, isn't, don't you think this is a healthy self check? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, it, it is. It's very healthy. Because I want people to, this is the whole approach I take in the tools of the book. It's a strength-based approach. I'm not here to fix people, you know. I'm here to help people discover, you know, what they want and their talents, you know. And I think one of the biggest wastes of time that organizations do is try to help people overcome their weaknesses. You know, that's a waste, you know. Help them to, to find their strengths and let the strengths push the weaknesses out. You know, yeah. and I and yeah. I, that's the trouble with a lot of performance appraisal systems. I, I think most of them are not very effective at all. Well, yeah, you talk about that in the book too, and for a variety of reasons, they're not. I, I, one of the things that's hitting me, and, and you said something about the Tiger Woods thing, and this, and I hate to go back, but I've got to because it, it it's not letting me go. And you know, the truth of the matter is, and I'm going to make this a business analogy, so maybe you can kind of work through this with me because I'm sure. this this just came up. I, when I coach businesses, right, uh, sometimes what comes up is they'll say, you know, that some people are just talented salespeople and some people are not talented salespeople. But when you said to me that Tiger Woods' talent is not playing golf, it hit me that sales, being a salesperson is not a talent. Right. So, right. so so let's 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 the two coaches put this together a little bit. Let's see if we can put yeah. this together. So, what would be the talents? Because you know we got a lot of people who have salespeople and they are trying to help their salespeople. So, what would be a talent? What would be some talents that we should look for? You know, that make up a good salesperson, or maybe you know don't. Well, you know, and and I suppose there's different types of sales that might sure. lead to one type of talent or the other. So let me, for example. 
one of the things that a salesperson is very often a person who has a lot of freedom. They're out there one-on-one. They're not in an office or cubicle. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I would suggest what a good salesperson might do is have a lot of self-structure. They can have, they can have be the greatest talkers and they may have a lot of product knowledge, but they don't have a lot of self-structure. Um, good, they may not be very good at sales, no matter what their other uh, talents are. So, mm. so the question is, what are the really critical talents for success in any particular job? Mm. And what I found coaching organizational leaders is when they want to hire an engineer or a salesperson or a finance person, I try to help them. Well, tell me about the best ones you've had, you know, and what are the critical skills that they need, you know, mm. and then you back into the talents from that, that sort of thing. And so you, you do some your analysis and searching there. So I think people need to have a much clearer vision of what that job really is, you know. Mm. And, and if a person doesn't have the fundamental, so if you're an accountant and you're not really good at details, you're probably, you can take all the courses you want in the world, but you're probably not going to be a very good accountant, right? No, you know, and, and so, so part of this, what I tell the, my clients when we are working with people to help them improve their skills, and particularly I'll take them through my process, particularly one of, of discovering their talents and skills and, 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 uh, uh, and strengths. And then, uh, then we look at the job and the requirements. And I always tell the top person in the organization is there's a risk here in doing this because you might find this person might decide that this is not the company for them because it's not their job is not going towards our talents. So you got to know that that's going to ha- might happen, you know. And so partly is is so if you have that person who's not performing very well as a salesperson, they may be be great customer service people, you know. So it's it's finding that right seat on the bus for people, you know, uh, <laughs> for people to do that, you know. So yeah, but I, I but I think you have to have a clear view vision of that, and so uh, and helping them really to think through what is success in a particular position. Yeah, I I just think I, yeah I I knew the question was gonna be really broad, uh, but I was thinking to myself, you know, just that whole point of a salesperson is not a strength. It's not it's it's not right. a it's not a talent. It's it, it it's there's a whole bunch of other talents and skills that make them. And by the way, that you could we could say that about any job as you just said, whether whether it's the CEO of a company, whether it's the frontline manager, you know, whether it's the assist the person who's at the front desk, right? Correct. Absolutely. Absolutely. And when we become aware of our talents, those those are the ones we want to develop into strengths. And then it helps us as an individual to find the right job for us. Mm-hmm. You know, people may say, well, if you're you're good at math, you should be in engineering or whatever it might be. And I found I was, a, I was an engineer. I still am an engineer as I find one of the talents or strengths I have that I developed is the ability to diagnose issues, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's it's more than mathematics, you know. Right. Mathematics is part of it. Right. And I think once you understand the essentials of success in a job, then you can help create your own job. So I challenge people in their job, even if they have a job uh, that other people in a company have. I said if you can m- modify that job that will build on your strengths and your talents and your strengths, you're going to be a more successful and then you're going to be happy, you know? And so if the job has enough room for some manipulation around certain talents and strengths, it'll be good. But if it doesn't, then you might have to find another job, maybe in the same company or maybe not. Yeah, no, I I, I agree with you. One of the things that you talk about in terms of finding your talents 
is the journaling piece. Yes. How did, let's talk about, I, I think we underestimate the power of journaling. Let's talk about, you know, why journaling and how that can be, uh, how that can be really powerful. Well, for me, uh, a long time, I've been journaling for a long time. And uh, actually, I went through a, a divorce a long time ago. And I took a journaling class. And it was just eye-opening. And it was a self-awareness about what, what were the issues and, and really kind of come to grips with myself. And, and, I, and I found I kept doing it. And I found I just was journaling on a regular basis, and I was just discovering things about myself I didn't know. For example, I had these little conversations with myself. I said, Michael, you've been journaling about this topic for a long time, and you're not doing anything. What's going on here? You know, I'll, I'll, you, can, you can almost be your own therapist. You know, it's right. cheap therapy for one thing. You it know? sure is. And the other thing I found with myself is I found here I'm an engineer. I found that there was a poet in me, mm. you know. I, I, I would be writing in my journal and all of a sudden there'd be a certain cadence to it, you know, because I wasn't doing any writing at that time. And I said, holy crap, what did I just write there, you know? And so then I went from being unintentional poet to a, an intentional poet. Mm. And it, it just brought out a part of me that I didn't know was there, you know? So this is one of those latent talents that I had that I had known for 40 years, you know? And, and so I think it's great for self-awareness. It's great also the, the, the work, the workshop I took on on uh, journaling was my journal, my friend, and what the, the leader said he was is it helps you become your own best friend. So you deal with yourself compassionately, you know, with all the warts and all the successes, and take them that way. And I find that is going back to your one of your original questions uh, about what's essential for self-management. And I think self-awareness is one of the most important things and also kindness and compassion to yourself. Cause if you can't be compassionate and kind to yourself, it's going to be hard to be kind and compassionate to other people, you know? Yeah, and, no, I, I no, you're absolutely right. Uh, Dr. Michael J. Colburn, uh, author, uh, own your own job. Do you realize we've almost been on an hour? Well, wow. Amazing. <laughs> and we were, we were on, we were on quite a bit of time before and it's yeah. gone so fast. It is. Yeah. It's gone so fast. And I know we haven't got very much in the book, but you know what? Everything that you've said to this point has been so powerful and so needed and people are responding on Facebook and I've got people responding on Castbox FM cause I can watch this and, um, they're responding to the things that you're saying and you're opening up the hearts and minds and lives of a lot of people. So, um, thank you for doing that. And and so we've got just a couple minutes left. I, I do want to just give something out to have you talk about because we, we haven't talked to any of the tools of self-management and right. accountability. So we're going to have to bring you back. I, I know that's going to come as a shame uh, for you, but we're going to have to have you come back at a future I, I would absolutely love to. But, you know, I, I think when I do at my introductory workshop, I talk about everything you and I talked about. And, and uh, uh, not so much on the tools, because if the, if the living a proactive lifestyle is not in your DNA, you know, although I think it is on, on most people, then the tools don't make any difference. You know, so I think what we talked about today was probably the most important. And I do the same thing when I uh, do introductory workshops to my book, because I teach classes in this. Uh, we deal with what we've been talking about much more than anything else. So okay. I would love to come back to talk about the tools. Yeah, I would love to do that. I would, Because, you know, we've got to talk about key relationships and 
uh, we got to talk about some of the principles of tools of self-management and accountability sure. because I think it's so so important. And you know, so we're down here to the last minute of the show. So I here's what we do because we never even got to talk about one of the things I wanted to talk about, which is, are you having any fun at work? We never got to talk about that yet. But listen, <laughs> so we're at the end of the show, and what I ask my friends, and uh, you're friends now. You're you're no longer a guest. You're a friend of the show, and and um, I think we were becoming friends long before the show started, actually. Yes, we did. Uh, and, and that's one of the great gifts of, of life is friends. And I have had friends for many, many years, but some of my best friends are people that I've just met, and you're one of them. Thank you so much. That's so kind. So, friend, uh, here's what I want to ask you. I, the show is called A New Direction because we try to help people find a new direction and success, leadership, life, careers, and business. If Dr. Michael J. Colburn, author of Own Your Own Job, uh, could leave the folks around the world a new direction, what would that be? Find your purpose, mm-hmm. you know, identify and, and identify your purpose. And I really believe that people know it. They just haven't always been able to verbalize it because when we find our purpose in life, then other, then it acts like a magnet to us. It, it draws resources, it draws information to to us that we need, and, it, and it's almost scary. I can't even exp- I can't explain it into my engineering language, right? Mm-hmm. And I think so. So work on your purpose, and may and you can just start off by saying, write the question down: What is my purpose in life? And just keep writing until you get it, you know. And and it, uh, and so when when I write about my purpose, I'm really talking about my mission in life and the things that bring value to my life. And so just answer that question, and you with the idea that you you do know the answer. Mm, beautiful. His name is Dr. Michael J. Colburn. The book is called Own Your Job: Five Tools for Self Management and Accountability in the Workplace. He is absolutely fantastic. Don't you love him? How can you not love him? He's that he's awesome. And you know what, folks? This is the show. You know what I say every week? Be inspired because when you're inspired, that means you can inspire other people. And in turn, they can inspire others and that can make this world an absolutely fantastic place. I'll be back next week with another great guest, another great book, and we're going to have another great show. And as I say to you every week, and you know what that is, ciao, everybody. your confidence and the answers don't make sense got to keep your hope alive you got to know you can survive this is your